Welcome to the day today with the start of a new Premier League season at the end of each match day weekend or whenever seems right. You know how the calendar is in football these days. We're going to bring you a quick hit to round up the key talking points from the action in a way that only we can. Diving into the Opta database to bring you stories and even try to make sense of those things that really don't feel like they could ever make sense. Joining me, Graham Bell, for match day one. Delighted to say welcome to the new football season, Matt Furness. Yeah, I, I've i enjoyed it. So thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed the opening weekend. I've had enough of Premier League football already, nine games in. Um, I'm not looking forward to another game tomorrow night. I'm sick of it already. <laughs> It just winds on and on and on. And the good news is we don't have to talk about the Championship or League One. We can just flow straight yeah. into what we need to talk about, which is the Premier Should we just League. end the podcast there? We're just, we're yeah, let's just there. stop there. Let's just stop there. <laughs> let's not talk about Watford. Let's not talk about Reading. I mean, no, let's move on with that. Let's get in. Let's get into how we're going to roll this. So it's going to try and be a little bit of a quick hit each week. But to begin with, we want to go into the talking points, which is going to be our main feature. And there's a lot we could have gone on with this first one. There's so many new faces on the pitch. There were so many new faces or returning faces in the dugouts. And there was even Roy Hodgson's attempt to launch his career as a WWE wrestler. The power mover pulling up the trousers. I'm going with that for uh, for now on anyway. But instead, we're going to talk about ball in play because you might remember over on at Opta Analyst, we caused a little bit of a stir last season with our guide to time-wasting. And now I'm not saying that it was us that forced the change in how the Premier League and the EFL are going to act this season, but we are going to take a small bit of credit. So we might as well set the context very quickly for this. What was the problem last season, Matt? Well, the problem was that teams were finding ways to waste time um, taking delays with goal kicks, taking delays with throw-ins, feigning injuries, which take time up, etc. And those minutes were never really being added on by the referee. Um, some would be, but a lot of the time it actually felt that the ref was like, mm, it feels like four minutes, we'll just do that. Now, I'm not too sure the what's actually happening now. Is there a timekeeper on the side? It doesn't feel like it, like the World Cup. We saw an official timekeeper, didn't we, on the side? Mm. And every game saw a substantial amount of added time first half, second half. First half, second half, unless nothing really happened. So last season we were looking at ball in play time of around 54, or 55 minutes, eight seconds of 55 minutes, 54, 52 uh, in the Premier League. And as you go through the leagues, that would reduce quite a bit. Actually, it's two minutes per league it reduces by. So you go down to League Two and there was 48 minutes and two seconds average ball in play time. Obviously, the actual time isn't that important. It's more more about the per- percentage of ball in play time of match of of games. Obviously, some games are going to go past 100 minutes because there'll be a, a bad injury or hearses riding on the pitch, um, <laughs> and there's things like that you might see. So, what we're going to be looking at here is the percentage of ball in play time, and across the top four leagues in England, we have seen a big difference this season um so i've got the numbers a bit of an exclusive i guess so the opening week of weekend of the premier league season the average match time has been 101 minutes 32 seconds that is up by three minutes and five seconds from last season ball in play time is also up three minutes 18 seconds so that means the difference has been 
1.6% of ball in play time. So last season, the ball in play was 55.7%. This season so far, that's 57.3%. But obviously, we're comparing nine games against 380. So definitely can't read too much into this. It's a good start. Um, but actually, the Premier League wasn't really the problem. The EFL was the problem. You were seeing, as I said, 48 minutes of match time uh, in League Two last season, of ball and play time, sorry, in uh, League Two last season. Across the average match time was just shy of 99 minutes as well. So 48.5% of the, the, um, the match time saw the ball in play, which is shocking, really, when yeah. you're thinking about the average fan having to fork out between 20 and 25 pound to watch a game at that level. And you're seeing less than half of the game with the ball in play. Well, this season we've seen a huge jump in league two. Um, so match time has gone up quite a bit to 104 minutes, 31 seconds. That's an, that's an increase of five minutes, 34, but the ball in play time, it's, I had to triple check. This wasn't right. The ball in playtime has gone up by an average of eight minutes and 29 seconds in League Two this season so far. And that's across 20 matches. Um, so that's an increase of 5.6% uh, ball in play percentage in the in League Two. Um, so it really is an improvement at that level. Um, how long that will go on for? Maybe, I don't know, referees might start to become a bit more lenient. Teams might not be so nervous about wasting time because they know they can get away with it if referees aren't marking uh, their card on it. Um, and actually, we've seen quite a big difference between match day one and match day two in all of the EFL leagues already. So the opening weekend, it felt like all the referees were going a bit insane and adding so much time on. So the championship average match time was 104 minutes, eight seconds. League one was 105 minutes, 57 seconds. League two was 106 minutes, 54 seconds. So you, you get the idea. This weekend, we've seen a drop of around three and a half to four and a half minutes of match time already um, between ma match day one and match day two. And I witnessed this myself at Watford Plymouth yesterday, where there were only one minute in the first half, which I actually felt was fair. It was a really fast-paced game and there wasn't really any injuries. There weren't any subs made. Um, it didn't feel like either time, team was time-wasting because both were going for the game. The second half, I would say that changed slightly where as the game wore on, Watford got on top of Plymouth. Plymouth had a couple of chances on the break, but they were taking a lot of time over goal kicks. There were a few injuries. Um, there were a lot of substitutions and only five minutes were added on at the end. And that felt no different really to last season. And that was kind of the case across the championship this weekend. So the, the difference of match time was four minutes and nine seconds um, less compared to match day one. Ball in play time um, was three minutes, 56 seconds less. And actually the percentage of ball in play time was 1.7% less. Um, so if you were to see that over the next five or six weeks, we might actually be at the same as last season's levels. Um, it was kind of the same in League One, uh, but League Two was the anomaly actually, where there was a higher proportion of ball in play this weekend than last weekend, 56% uh, up from 52. So... So far, I think we can say that it's really helped out in the lower leagues. Um, and I haven't watched any game in League One or League Two, so I don't know how that's been enforced. Is it down to team styles? Are they kind of not playing that 
I'm going to, I'm going to name him Gareth Ainsworth style of football where you might actually be quite clever in managing the game. Um, and I, I would never go as far as say cheating because it is, it definitely isn't cheating. It's, it's managing the game, isn't it? It's how you can manage that time. And if you know that you're in the lead, like Newcastle last season, actually quite often in, when they're in the lead, were clever with time wasting um, in terms of they would take a few seconds longer every time the ball went out of play. That adds up. And over time, if you're winning, it, it means the opposition have less time to get the ball in dangerous areas. So, um, yeah, there's nothing against that. But it's it's I think the average fan wants to see more of the game um, with the ball in the <laughs> on the pitch, really. Um, and that's definitely working so far in the EFL, but it's going to be it's going to be one that I think we're going to have to look at, like in a in a month or two's time to see if that has actually stayed. And it will be interesting next weekend if the Premier League sees a reduction in time, just as the EFL leagues have this season uh, this weekend. Yeah, really fascinating stuff there, Matt. If you have been watching games in League One or League Two this season, do get in contact with us, editors at theanalyst.com. Have you noticed the difference in playing times? It seems quite staggering in League Two. I mean, the first weekend of the season, there was obviously horrendous downpours and weather as well, which probably didn't help matters too much on that front. But it'd be interesting to hear from some of you, our great listeners, if you've noticed this in League One and League Two. Just one thing I want to wrap up before this. Obviously, we haven't seen that much change in the Premier League so far, but there is a chance that with the addition of time, I know some of the players have already come out and stated that 100-minute games being the norm are not going to be good for them, but it does mean there's a chance that there could be some late, late, late goals in the Premier League this season, doesn't it? What What is the record that we have as it stands in the Opta database? What What have we got at the moment that that's the target, that if it gets to that point in the game where you've got one half of 10 minutes and another half of 10 minutes, you might be getting a little twitchy thinking it's a late game. Yeah, well, we, we talked about the average Premier League game this weekend being 101 minutes, 32 seconds. Well, games would have to be longer than that if it's going to break the record that we have uh, since 2007-08. That's, that's since we had recorded times of the latest goal in a Premier League game. That was Dirk Count uh, from the penalty spot against Arsenal at the Emirates for Liverpool in April 2011. That was 101st minute, or 102nd minute actually, so it was 101-48, uh, that, that was what it was. Um, that goal was, sorry. Only, da, 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 I have that here, only... Well, five games, five of the nine games this weekend played over that time. So uh, there was the potential for a, a record-breaking goal. Um, so there's no doubt that we probably will see one this season. Um, I mean, we haven't got pre-2007-08 goal times, but we're fairly sure that is the latest goal ever scored in the Premier League uh, all-time and obviously, the Premier League didn't begin in 1990. Oh, sorry, the Premier League did begin in 1993, <laughs> but football did not begin then. Um, but kudos to anyone who's got all-time goal times for uh, the English league, English top flight since 1888. Uh, so we'll never know, will we? But yeah, we should have a couple of goals past the hundred-minute mark. I think this season in the Premier League. 100 Minute Men, that's what we want to know about. Right then, we're going to take a little bit of a break, but when we return, we're going to talk more about the action that took place on the pitch here on the day to day.
Hello there and welcome back to the day-to-day -day match day one review. Let's actually get into the games now, shall we? In a feature we're going to be calling The Good, The Bad and The Quirky. I'm hoping it's quite self-explanatory in the title, but we will explain it as we go along. So let's start with The Good, then, Matt. Who was it a good weekend for in the Premier League? Um, I'm going to stick my neck on that and say Erling Haaland is good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that, maybe I've gone for the easy option here. Um, but yeah, I was after what has been his second longest drought in professional football. Uh, he had a 10 game spell at Mulder where he didn't score. He'd gone nine games with one goal. Um, and he'd gone six without a goal, I think, uh, before this weekend. And he grabbed two this weekend at Burnley, including one in the first four minutes. Um, if you want to get a bad run, out of your system scoring early in the first game of the season is quite a good way to do it. Um, so, yeah, last season, he started the season with a brace at West Ham. He replicated that in the opening game this weekend. So he's on his way to his uh, <laughs> trying to beat his 34 or record-breaking 34 goal tally last season in the Premier League. Um, actually, those two goals on Friday took him to 100 goals in the top five European leagues across 103 appearances uh, for Borussia Dortmund and Manchester City. And uh, since his debut, which was in January 2020, only Robert Lewandowski has scored more than him across the top five European leagues. At the time of recording, it's 114 goals, but it could be more by the time <laughs> you listen to this. Um, but yeah, to be, I mean, 100 goals in 103 games at his age with not much experience ahead of joining Borussia Dortmund. I know he played in the Champions League and in the Austrian top flight, but yeah, to, to do that well at that that point but to drum home how impressive that is so since that period so since his debut at Dortmund in the Bundesliga um 264 different players have scored 17 or more goals um and Haaland's conversion rate is better than all of them uh he's scored 29.9 percent of his shots um which is an outstanding conversion rate to score nearly what one in three of your your chances? Um, yeah, phenomenal. I mean, he's had it quite easy at Man City in terms of the players around him creating brilliant chances, but we've not seen any player, even in great Premier League sides that we've we've had, Omri, Van Nistelrooy, etc., ever get thirty four goals in a Premier League season. And that is considering Haaland's actually had a bit of a poor end to the season last year. It could and should have been more. Um, so, yeah, before today, he did draw level with Chelsea for Premier League goals since the start of last season. It was 38 all, but um, yeah, unfortunately for him, Chelsea's goal today and the one or draw at Liverpool means that they're now one ahead. So that's that'll be next the next target for Haaland to get back in the lead of that race. The 39-38 Chelsea lead at the moment. Good Lord. I mean, it's, it's a staggering, but you think, as you say, like you score with pretty much one in one in every three of the shots you take. Like, it's not a bad conversion rate, is it? It's not. Mm. It's, it's not bad. It, it's yeah. not like they're all tap-ins. His second goal on Friday night was so good. Like the ball's slightly behind him and just to hit it so precise in into that top corner off the bar and in. Yeah, fantastic player. Okay, so that's the good one in the book. Probably won't surprise anybody. Now, the next one, we're going to say the bad. It isn't necessarily a negative fact or a piece of data that's going to be slamming of something. It could well be a streak that has come to an end, or it could be that a record wasn't achieved. 
or it could actually be that it's just been a bad weekend for them. So, Matt, what we got in the books for who's had a bad weekend? I might even rename this later, What Gets My Goat? Because draws <laughs> get my goat, Billy. I hate draws. They're boring. And Chelsea and Liverpool draw all the time. So this weekend's one or draw was their seventh successive draw. Um, they even drew this game on expected goals. That 120, uh, 1.28 each. Like That is rare to get exactly the same expected goals total. Um, so, yeah, nothing can set them apart, which is probably why Moises Saicedo doesn't really know where to go. Um, he was probably hoping today would be the decider and maybe... If, if scoreline was, if, if it was going to be a draw again, he'd think, oh, I'll pick it on expected goals. He can't even do that. He's going to have to draw lots, isn't he? Yeah, He's going to be yeah. like sat there going, just with two pots well, going. Should, they should do a penalty shootout to try and decide the signing of uh, who's going to get him. Um, Moises could say they're on a corner flag match. The first team that goes to get to go off the corner flag gets to keep him. But yeah. I mean, the one ounce of comfort what, was that it wasn't a goalless draw like the previous four. Um, but yeah, it's Liverpool's longest run of draws against an opponent. Um, Chelsea have done it three times before. They've drawn seven in a row. Um, and everyone's obviously going to remember these ones where they drew seven games in a row against West Brom between 1922 and 1927 and seven games against Norwich City in a row between 1974 and 1978. And that you'll love this one. That includes three Anglo-Scottish Cup meetings, which... Was competitive, I believe. So, uh, yeah, if they play again in January, if that is a draw, then it will be the longest run of draws between English professional clubs ever, uh, eight in a row. Might as well just give it a draw now. Just don't play it. And the frightening thing is, I think both teams probably walk away from that game. Obviously, Chelsea in mass rebuild, regeneration with Pochettino at the helm. Liverpool have kind of got the rebuild in place now. I think both teams walk away from that opening weekend of the season. I mean, Salah's pass for the goal was exceptional. But I think both teams walk away from that game going, I take the draw, we'll take it. That's fine. That's a We've not lost ground on anybody around us. It's kind of a, we'll take it and move yeah, on. Yeah, I thought, I thought Chelsea played well. I thought they're, yeah. they're much better than when I saw them last season. They did get a bit lucky. I actually thought could have been a penalty for Hamble. Nicholas Jackson handled it, but... Uh, it was looked at by VAR, so make of that what you will. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was even a draw on disallowed goals. So uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just yeah. a draw. It would have just been two all instead. <laughs> right then, I believe you've got another one for us. Who else has it been a bad weekend for? Um, so, of all of the Premier League clubs this weekend, to have a bad weekend. I, I really had to, really had to fight myself, Belly, not to be Luton Town. <laughs> But I've picked Aston Villa. Um, I mean, to come into that match with so much promise, they've had a really good summer uh, in the transfer market. Um, and actually, before this game, only Man City had won more points and more games in the Premier League than they had in 2023. Um, and then they lost Tyra Mings early on, a horrible-looking injury. Looks like mm. a bad one. I think he's already had three ACL injuries. Looks like it could be a fourth. Exceeded within six minutes. I know they equalised. Um, but they got torn apart near the end. I think Newcastle were just really ruthless and it could have been more really. Um, at 3-1, Matty Cash had a really good chance to reduce deficit. That that shot was worth 0.71 XG. That was that was a, a good, really good chance where he hit it over the bar and that could have changed the game. That would have made it 3-2 and Villa would have had some momentum. 
Um, but he didn't score. Uh, Newcastle went to scrap two more goals. And yeah, Newcastle were really impressive. I could have easily had them in the good as well. I love Isaac. I think he's a brilliant player. Um, and yeah, they look a lot of fun. Yeah, they they that was my one takeaway from watching the bits of the games I've seen. They do look like a team that are just going to they're just going to be a joy to watch. Uh, it, it, Harvey Barnes looks exceptional as well. Tenali looked like he's settled into the Premier League with that late run into the box or his goal. Like it, they're just going to be great fun. Villa, you sort of hope that they can just brush it aside. I think because... they will. I think they've got enough quality there. I think Diaby is a brilliant signing. I think Paul Torres is really good as well. Um, yeah, I think it was just one of those games, wasn't it? Where yeah. it didn't go right for them yesterday. Um, but it's a game you, you don't want it to become two games that haven't gone right for you or three games that haven't gone right for you. Um, yeah, yeah, that could be especially, a... especially with European adventures this year for them as well. Mm. If all of a sudden that get it, it's the sort of thing that can build and can cause problems. You hope for Unai Emery's sake that he can push it away. Right then, let's get into the quirky. Now, this is the one I I say one. I believe there's more than one this week that I'm expecting that you'll be going straight into your message group to your friends and going, "Did you know?" That's what I'm kind of hoping this will be. You've just also got to hope that they don't listen to the podcast before you give them the information. So maybe give them the quirky fact and then tell them to come listen to the podcast. I think that's the best way around on it. But right, let's get into these ones then. Matt, quirky number one. Right, quirky number one is from the same game, so Villa-Newcastle yesterday. Uh, Sandra Tonali, I've already mentioned he scored after six minutes. Then Musa Diaby scored for Aston Villa after 11 that is the earliest ever into a Premier League match that two different players have scored in their debut. Um, that is really quirky, I guess. As quirky yeah. as they come. Um, and they're on the subject of debuts, so obviously Tonali and Diaby, it was their debut. Only four players in Premier League history have scored in their debut quicker than Tonali. And Diaby was the 26th player to score in his debut in the Premier League for Aston Villa. That's more than any other club. So Villa have the highest number of debutant goal scorers at 26. I think Everton are next with 25. Um, so, yeah, that's the debut quirk. Uh, I have two more. Ooh, the next cool. one is about um, James Milner. So his start for Brighton yesterday against Luton means he's now tied Ryan Giggs' record of appearing in 22 different Premier League seasons, uh, moving ahead of Gareth Barry, who played in 21. Yeah. Uh, he's now only 33 appearances off Barry's all-time Premier League appearance tally of 653. So that's something for him to aim for this season. I don't know if he'll end up playing 34 games out of Bryant's 38, but it could be one if he stays on next season, he'll beat. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, he's. The, I mean, Liverpool were using him as a super sub by the end of what I say, super sub, but they were using him as a substitute by the end of time. You can easily see Brighton getting to that point where, okay, you drop him in for the odd start and then he'll come off the bench and be that calming head from off the bench that comes on and just and plays it around. Just talk about that game very quickly. I mean, Brighton looked... I, I, did Brighton look exceptional or did Luton look like they're in a lot of danger? Well, two things here. <clears throat> so I actually have another fact on that game, but I'll talk about Luton first. It's no secret that I'm a Watford fan, but I, I I respect this Luton team. I think they're a really good side. I think Rob Ebbers is a great coach. And I've watched long highlights of the match. I haven't watched the game yeah. in full. But Luton actually had chances. They, they got the ball in the final third more often than Brighton did. Mm. Um, at 2-0... 
And then when Carlton Morris scored, and even at 1-0, they had chances and they, they were getting the ball in good areas. Um, they just had a few defensive mistakes, didn't help. I thought the penalty decision was, <laughs> both of them were questionable. I think actually João Pedro won probably was more of a penalty just because um, Lockyer came across with his arm yeah, and because João Pedro is a legend. Um, but <laughs> I think that, yeah, Luton will have easier games than Brighton away. Yeah. And unfortunately for them, they haven't, uh, they haven't got game next weekend because their pitch isn't ready or their ground's not <laughs> ready. Um, and actually they could have done with a game to get yeah. that out of their system. Um, I think their next match is Chelsea away <laughs> on a Friday night, which isn't going to be easy either um and it's Luton kind of need to get a good result under their belts to give them some confidence um yeah so they might have to wait a few weeks for that like you talk about the the penalty decisions there both those penalties and this is a really wrong way of looking at it I saw them as Premier League decisions it was players who are used to playing in their they were decisions that maybe in the championship get waved off where there's no no VAR probably but in the Premier League, they get given. And even that, if they don't, don't go to VAR. Like, how was that was. an unnatural position? Yeah. Uh, Considering James, Tar- James Tarkovsky's one was equally for me. I thought that in the Everton game was a was a was one like that. You mentioned about Luton, actually. I agree with you. I thought Morris was if they get set pieces and get chances in the box, they're gonna cause teams havoc. Yeah, the, they'll be handful. Adebayo and Morris, yeah. good, good, uh, good front pairing. They'll, they'll cause trouble for next season, uh, this season for Luton. Yeah. Um, in that same game, Brian had 51 touches in the Luton box. So that's the most of any Premier League team this weekend. And that's the second highest Brian have ever had in across their 229 Premier League matches. Um, they had one more when they lost at home to Crystal Palace in Feb. Lost. 2021. Lost. Uh, yeah, they lost 2-1. That was a Benteke 95th minute goal. Brian were all over him. I remember that game. Um, yeah, that was I mean, uh, the biggest robbery. I mean, the, the stat from that game, it jumps out on me watching the highlights back. 27 shots for Brighton. Like, you yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, they had a high XG. I mean, one of them was a penalty. They hit yeah. the post. I think Ferguson hit the post before he scored. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really hard to tell too much about Luton from that game yeah I think uh, they'll they'll uh, cause some problems this season someone wants to uh, make his way around his local town a little easier than uh, hmm. he might have been gone the other way on that one please don't assault me I have yeah. another quirky fact my third quirky fact is about today's Chelsea versus Liverpool game so seven different Chelsea players made their first appearance for the club uh, in the Premier League today against Liverpool uh, got Robert Sanchez Levi Colwell Axel De Sassi Nicholas Jackson Leslie Ugochukwu, sorry, Malagustu and Ian Matson. Um, that is the most by a Premier League side in a game, excluding newly promoted clubs, because obviously a lot of them, like Luton yesterday, wouldn't have played in the Premier League for their clubs before, since Manchester City on the opening day of the 2007-08 season when they played West Ham, they gave eight players a Premier League debut for their club that day. Graham, this is... A test oh, for you. Can you name any of those eight? Give me the year again. 2007-08. So this is the Sven era. Oh. One of them scored. I think it was the winner that day. My brain is not. Alano? Alano is one. Yes, Alano is in that. So I'll give you that. I won't get you, make you guess anymore because it's quite difficult. Rolando <laughs> Bianchi, Martin Petrov, Giovanni, Valery Bozanov, 
Javier Garrido, Casper Schmeichel, Alano, and Vedran Koluka eight debutants oh. for Man City that day. Um, oh. I think they won one nil as well for a Bianchi goal. Um, so yeah, that's my quirk acts from this weekend. Marvelous stuff. Well, take note of them, share them around your group, and then tell people to come listen to the podcast so they can get the quirky facts next week. All right, then we're going to take another very short break now. But when we come back, we'll be looking forward to the Monday night action in the Premier League here on the day to day. Welcome back again to the day today. Nine games down, there's one to go. And it is Old Trafford that is calling us as Manchester United take on Wolves, who themselves have had quite the uh, preparations for the start of their Premier League season. What can we expect to see at Old Trafford then, Matt? Um, probably a Man United win, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, you fear for Wolves. They've had so much upheaval so close to the season. Julian Lopetegui leaving last week. Gary O'Neill coming in. He did a great job at Bournemouth the last season to keep them up. I can see why Bournemouth made a change this summer. Um, I think... And also, I think like Wolves have done quite well in getting someone like Gary O'Neill in quite quickly. Um, but it's going to be a big task to keep Wolves up this season as things stand. Um, I think like they've had, they've lost Ruben Neves, obviously, mm-hmm. um, who's like a, a linchpin of their midfield. They've lost Raul Jimenez now as well. Dama Traore has left. It's a bit of an upheaval there at Wolves this season. If they can survive this season, you feel like they could kick on again. This is kind of the season where maybe they're refreshing everything because it has stagnated slightly at Wolves, hasn't it, over the years since players like Diego Yotta have left. Um, I remember that they came up around the same time Watford came up and what Wolves were always that team that clubs like Watford wanted to be like because they were they were doing so well. They got to um got into Europe, didn't they? The season they lost the FA Cup semi-finals with Watford um and had just had a really good side. But last season, their away form at the end of the last season was diabolical, lost six, drawn two. So they won only two points in those. Before Christmas last year, before Lopetegui came in, they were actually the Opta supercomputer favourites to go down. They were they were in dreadful form before the World Cup. Um, so you've got to say the stats point to a Man United win in this one. Uh, Ten Hag's side last season, they considered the fewest goals at home in the Premier League, only 10. Uh, well, Nottingham Forest, the only team to score fewer away goals than Wolves last season. Wolves scored 12 in their 19 mm. away games. Um, it was, I mean, it was a good start for Ten Hag at, at Man United last season. They won a trophy for the first time in six years. They won the EFL Cup, uh, winning 2-0 in the final against Newcastle. They've added some top-class players this summer. Andrea Nana is the goalkeeper that Ten Hag had at Ajax and trusts. And also, he's a goalkeeper that wants will be able to play in the style that Ten Hag wants his goalkeeper to play in. David De Gea never looked comfortable with the ball <laughs> at his feet. Um, I think we'll see some craziness from Anana this season. And you'll probably see a goal being scored because of it. But the risk-reward factor, I think, far outweighs yeah. why you would have De Gea in and not Anana in. Um, and then I, I've always liked Mason Mount. I think he's a really dependable player. Um, Loved by Chelsea fans before this summer. Um, hated by the majority of other fans because I don't think they really understand 
his role in any team. Uh, it's the same with England, really. But I think every team needs a player that's dependable and will always perform seven or eight out of ten each week. Yeah. Um, and Mount is that player. Obviously, Rasmus Hoyland's come in, will turn into a great signing. I think he's going to miss the first few games with a back injury. Um, I think he's more one for the future. I think that he'll get goals this season. Um, but I think maybe next season and beyond, he'll do well. We've we've already seen him playing uh, in the UEFA Nations League for Denmark, and he scored some really good goals this season. I think he got a hat trick in one of those games uh, earlier in the summer as well. So he's going to be really exciting um, eventually when he comes in. But yeah, obviously he's not going to be there tomorrow night. Ten Hag set Marcus Rashford that target of trying to score forty goals. Um, <laughs> he had a really good season last season, his best season in front of goal. Seems to work really well coming off that left and drifting inside. Bruno Fernandes is obviously one of the best creative players in the Premier League. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if Man United can kick on from last season and almost do what Arsenal have done under Arteta and improve every season when they understand the philosophy um, and understand what's being asked of them by their manager. Um, one fact that might excite Man United fans is that on three of the last four occasions they've had their first league game of the season on a Monday, They've gone on to win the league. Uh, that was in 1907-08, 2010-11 and 2012-13. So uh, who knows? Maybe Man United surprise some people. Monday night joy for United potentially could lead to May joy. I think they'll take that right now, Old Trafford. It does feel like it's going to be, looking how Arsenal looks, same again. Looking how City looks, same again. Looking at how... This could be, I don't want to say an intriguing title race because obviously our supercomputer believes Manchester City are running away with this. It could be a really interesting battle. That's what I'm saying, between second down to seventh. And who knows who might come in? Like the way Brighton looked, you can rule them out, potentially knocking up in there as well. There is... The what even Tottenham today? I thought. Yeah, I, 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 I really. I was impressed with Tottenham today. I thought they they have quickly understood uh, Postecoglou's philosophy. I mean, I think it was. I think they broke records for, or actually, they had more passes in the attacking half today than they did. They have since New Year's Day two thousand and twenty-two. Was it? I think, um, which. Under Conte, obviously, they're always quite deep and trying to break quite quickly. Spurs fans are going to be really down at the moment about losing Harry Kane. But in order to strengthen the squad and actually make it some of all parts and, and, and be a really good team, I think they needed to let Kane go and, and they'll have to reinvest that money within the team. One player I thought was really good today was Basuma. I thought he had a great game. Yeah. Um, really controlled that midfield I think he was the player in the Premier League this weekend that had the most ball carries as well and was struggling with the ball quite far yeah. more uh, progressive carries than any other midfielder as well this weekend um, so I think there's there's reasons to be excited about Spurs under Postacoglu I don't think they're going to get results straight away mm -hmm. I think they could sneak into the top four this season but I think actually next few seasons they'll really build a good side um, and who knows? They might even win a trophy. Um, yeah, for me, for me this season, I still can't see past Man City. Hmm. I was quite disappointed overall with Liverpool today. Um, I thought they played well in flashes. They just looked a bit 
kind of like attack v defence. So there was mm. no real shape in that midfield. Um, that will come. Obviously, they've got two new signings starting there, McAllister and um, Sabozloy played today as well in midfield. I think that Chelsea will be stronger this season. I think yeah, Newcastle, we've talked about already. Yeah. Like, you've got six, seven teams, haven't you, really? It could be changed yeah. off that top four. Plus, you would hope maybe Brian or Villa can can surprise as well. I don't know if there'll be anyone else that we would maybe expect some kind of surprise from. Um, I don't think West Ham will do as well this season. Um, no. I don't, I, I, Brentford are just going to be... Without Ivan Tony, I mean, yeah, yeah even without Ivan Tony, we, we saw Wisser and, and Buemo score today. Yeah. Um, and I think those two, and Buemo scored six goals, and Wisser scored five goals in the last six games that Tony's not yeah. played. So they can score goals without him, but actually missing David Rea in goal and his distribution, yeah. having someone new in Mark Flecken in goal could be kind of like a bit of a learning curve. Uh, for Brentford over the next few months and it might be frustrating for them. But I, I mean, I, I can definitely think yeah. Brentford finishing within the mid-table sort of. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I don't, I, as I say, you know, I always, when I look at the bottom of the table, we'll wrap this up very quickly, but you've got to find, if you're in the relegation fight, you've got to find three teams worse than you. Um, mm. It looks like if you are a Luton, a Sheffield United or a Burnley, I'm going to put Burnley just in there as a promoted club. I reckon you can probably find three teams who might struggle more than you this season. You've just got to make sure you're not those sides. You look at Everton, you look at Wolves, mm. you look at... Well, there's enough clubs there that you can start, especially if Mitrovic, I know he played Bournemouth, today, but... Forest. Bournemouth, there's, yeah. There's definitely a few contenders, aren't there? Exactly. It's, it's going to be fascinating at the top. It's going to be fascinating at the bottom. Let us know what you think the Premier League table is going to end up like. Editors at theanalyst.com on the email. Or, of course, you can follow us across our social media accounts. You'll find us across the board, whether it's X, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. We are at Opta Analyst. And most importantly of all, do head over to the website if you aren't already, theanalyst.com. There is loads of content on there. We've also got amazing match uh, centres for you. We've got tickers for you. There is so much for you that will keep you informed across all of the Premier League season. But for now, Matt, thank you very much. One down, 37 to go. Feels Not quite right. one down yet, mate. But one tomorrow night. We've got, got one showdown. One yeah. showdown. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> one showdown. And then we're going to probably add a Champions League one in a couple of weeks. Oh, keep quiet about that. Keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> there was a nervous glance down the camera to me there. Uh, on behalf of all of us at Optoralis, thanks very much for listening to the day today. We'll catch you after match day two. <laughs>